Join me as we explore the remarkable odyssey of landscape photographer Isabella Bacci. Isabella's artistic brilliance is showcased internationally through her emotive and dreamlike photographic style. A Hasselblad heroine and a significant presence in the Hasselblad Masters 2021 Grand Jury, she's been named Photographer of the Year at the Moscow International Photo Awards and has secured various accolades since 2016. Her mastery of landscape photography shines brightly, highlighted by a third prize win in the International Landscape Photographer of the Year 2020 and her inclusion in the prestigious ILPOTY 2022 book. Serving as a juror for esteemed awards like the Epsom International Pano Awards, Annual Photo Awards and Canarian Photo Awards, Isabella's expertise guides emerging talents. Embark on a visual journey as Isabella's lens captures the enchanting landscapes of the Italian Dolomites, the rugged allure of the Kamchatka Peninsula, the mystique of the Lofoten Islands, Iceland's otherworldly panoramas, Iran's evocative vistas and a tapestry of other destinations. In this episode, we peel back the layers of Isabella's extraordinary voyage, delving into her artistic vision and the magic behind her emotive creations. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Isabella. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Hello. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. I love your work and I've been following you across a number of social media platforms for a, a little while and really wanted to have a chat to you today a bit about uh, why you do what you do and how you do it. But mostly I'm really focused on that motivational side of things. What is it that actually makes you want to be a, a photographer and a landscape photographer in particular? So why don't you tell people who you are in, in the first instance, and then we can get on to some of the media questions then. Sure. Perfect. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm Isabella Tabacchi, a landscape photographer based uh, in Northern Italy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been photographing since, since since a long time, since years, since a lot of years, I started actually seriously 10 years ago, around 10 okay. years ago, but, but before I've been photographing since, since the childhood, because I always loved nature. I always loved to discover. I always had creativity in my, in my soul. And since, since 10 years, I've been traveling. First, I started in, 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 my, in the Alps. And then uh, I started to travel to make some new experiences and, and also to develop uh, my style. Sure, sure. Until today. <laughs> okay. What was it that actually got you started with landscape photography? That uh, landscape, uh, the landscape nature helps me a lot to express the sensibility. Actually, is something like subconscious uh, uh, I couldn't I couldn't take pictures and express myself uh, through other uh, kind of photography. I also tried a lot uh, also before starting actually seriously with landscapes I, I started I, I tried other kind of photography but with landscape I, I can express myself. Uh, and uh, my creativity much more. I when when I mm, go around uh, nature, uh, the mountains, especially, but also other kind of of landscape sceneries, I I feel like I feel like uh, complete, <laughs> and that's why 
I, I couldn't, I could never stop uh, okay. taking pictures of the landscape. So I guess I'm, I'm really interested in what you were saying there about expressing yourself. What is it that it is? What is it that you're trying to express? What is it that you, you're trying to get across to the viewer? Uh, my emotions, my memories, uh, the feelings that I feel um, when I am nature. Indeed, um, my approach uh, to landscape photography is also very artistical. Mm. Uh, there is also some uh, post-processing, and through this uh, post-processing, uh, I express also my mood, the mood, the emotions. Uh, and uh, that is always like a subconscious. Uh, I also don't realize what really I'm trying in landscape, but uh, it just uh, comes uh, from my soul. Yeah, okay. So when did you notice that it became something artistic for you as opposed to, because most people start out with photography and they see something pretty and they'll take a snapshot of it. Could be a house, could be a, a mountain, could be a, a dragonfly or a, a flower or something. And then they then start, as they go through their journey, they then start to develop an artistic style. Where did that style start for you? And where did the, I, I guess, the art start as opposed to just taking a photo of a something that you liked? For me, it started in uh, 2016, around 2016, when I discovered the post-processing with luminosity masks and my also my approach into developing some more much more three-dimensionality creating the three-dimensionality 3d effects in this landscape photography and since then i realized that that i could stay like hours like staying here in in front of the computer uh, editing one picture after the other because i was so passionate about it Okay. And and then I started to see that I was like inspired by landscapes, but not just the landscape, but the mood, and from the landscape, from the approach into the into the location on the field, looking for a strange compositions, particular special points of view, to see also the same location several times, and then. A different approach with editing depending also on the mood on the weather on which was the kind of weather of mood of the nature sure. in landscapes i visited okay and was it trying to express that mood that generated the artistic approach to editing yes. or was the editing a an approach to channel the artistic viewpoints that you were trying to bring across no i think it's a mix it's a mix uh, between i think uh, art uh, i think nature itself is a form of art mm -hmm. and uh, uh, i on the field when i'm shooting i look for uh, the form of art that that represent that place and that uh, then it's a, it's a mix of course the, my, the important, for me, the most important thing is to find a, a, an original, very special approach also, especially yeah. on the location. Yep. Then, of course, uh, I, when I'm editing, I, I take the best to make, I make the, 
the best of, of the landscape. For example, I make the post-processing focusing very much on uh, what uh, I wanted the eyes of the people that watch my pictures mm-hmm. as have to focus on, for example, a kind of tree, some leading lines, uh, some natural leading lines, for example. Sure, sure. So when you're thinking about your work, are you doing pre-visualization? Are you thinking about what your composition is going to be before you go into the field? Or are you going into the field and then reacting to what you're seeing, reacting to the light, reacting to the, to the landscape itself? I'm, I'm just interested, is it is it more pre-planning or is it more spontaneous and reactive in, in the field? Sometimes, yeah, I have an idea of which kind of, of compositions uh, that could be of natural element that could be in a landscape, mm-hmm. but uh, often I get there with maybe an idea of some things that they would like to capture, but then uh, I find uh, other other very original special composition that I don't expect at all. <laughs> I just, uh, and this is the the best part uh, in my opinion because uh, because you discover the art you discover art on the landscape into in the location on the location and sometimes you don't expect what you can find because sometimes the conditions are different sometimes maybe you don't really know the especially when i don't really know the place maybe i can expect uh, something on the on nature of a location but maybe i find those special um, compositions the special elements that create some shapes some some of yes of shapes of leading lines of ways to to lead to the to the main subject that that i feel like i feel like very happy and 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 like uh, yes i feel very surprised always (laughs) (laughs) so it sounds like personal expression plays a very big role in your type of style of photography how do you start to infuse your style and and vision into your images uh both in the field but also in post-processing yes yes in the yes in the years during the years the years that i spent into the field of course uh, at the beginning when when i started first i didn't maybe i i couldn't be as as good as now to find yeah. this kind of uh, composition so special of special composition, special stuff, or special uh, moods, uh, and uh, often, some often uh, it was not easy because some locations uh, that are totally different from uh, some locations I visited before. Yeah, uh, it was, uh, sometimes it was really difficult to find uh, uh, something like the mood, the inspiration. So sometimes uh, I had uh, to think uh, a lot about the approach I wanted to have in some locations, and in the year. In the years, for sure, I I developed my capabilities into in creating into yes into creating pictures into be creative with compositions on the field and for sure in 2016 I was not as not capable as now for sure now. Yeah. For example, happens that I visit locations that I never seen and immediately find something. <laughs> Yeah, yep. and 
but it's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. So for maybe yes, for sure there is some work, some some experience. It's very important experience. Yeah. Okay. What what's your view on how to deal with experimentation in your work? In that process, obviously, from where you started off in 2016 to where you are now, you're going to try new things, try new techniques, try new editing techniques, etc. And some of those are going to fail. Some of those are going to be a success. And the ones that you success, you obviously build on. But how do you deal with the failures where you go out and you don't come back with the images that you expected or don't come back with what you wanted or you're having trouble working through images in the editing suite. How do you deal with those problematic times which every photographer has where they're going, yeah, this isn't working? Yeah, sometimes, yes, of course, in, in so many years, sometimes I went on the location and maybe there were not the perfect condition. Often, I always try to get, I always like to get the best of each kind of condition, like weather condition. Yeah. And uh, every time I try to be creative, to find always something. But of course, uh, in so many years, in uh, so many moments, uh, so many traveling, uh, of course, uh, sometimes uh, there are often some uh, raw files that I never edited mm-hmm. in, uh, in my hard disk that are still there because I don't throw anything, <laughs> almost anything. And yeah, sometimes happen it, but but mm, often I'm very I'm very mm, stubborn into finding something, into finding a way to to make every condition special. Not, not and not just for editing, of course, especially with compositions, with creativity. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, it's almost always possible to find something. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with? things that you've looked at as you said you've got those raw files that are are sitting there that you haven't edited do you get ever go back to them and get inspired by things that you hadn't perhaps seen before or you've changed your editing techniques or you've found something new that you want to experiment in in some of those images do you ever do that go back into your catalog and and look for something to that that you didn't quite see before Yes, a lot of times. But then when, uh, after a travel, um, yes, there are periods that I travel a lot. So often I get back also to some files because uh, maybe um, in some days I'm more inspired about uh, editing some files that maybe have a kind of weather conditions. Uh, and often I also edited files that are like several years old mm. because... Uh, it all it happens a lot of times because maybe yes I learn maybe um, I mean yes I manage to experiment new techniques new editing techniques new ways to make these raw files better to accentuate better some conditions some things that were in the image and uh, and then I return back often yeah. because. Of, so some days I'm more inspired about uh, maybe editing some uh, very moody and uh, some very dark landscapes uh, mm. and some very cloudy landscapes. Other days I'm more inspired about uh, sunny landscapes, about colorful landscapes. Uh, it depends. 
yeah, yeah. It yeah. totally depends on the day. I've, I've, the... I've got to admit, with the AID noise in room and Adobe Camera Raw, I'm diving back into quite a few old night shots of mine that were kind of underexposed and really, or I've had to pump the ISO up so high that they're really noisy and they, they, they were never going to see the light of day until something like the AID noise came along. How do you fit those new techniques in? Is it just something that you do as something new is released or as you learn something, do you just add that to your kit bag and keep adding to your workflow? Or I, I guess I'm interested in how your workflow has evolved from where you started doing post-processing into where you are now. Yeah, uh, yes, often, yes, when I, um, for example, usually, um, yes, from 2016 and even the period before, the years before 2016 uh, until now, happened that then I re-edited some files, especially when uh, during pandemic, yep. that I, when I couldn't travel, I couldn't, I didn't have so much to do, so at the end, I I had re-edited a lot of pictures that I didn't like anymore. I said, oh no, here, <laughs> it was too contrasted. This this is not, uh, I don't like it. Now I want to try to edit it with my new approach, with, mm. with more, with a better way to, to accentuate and make, uh, to focus on objects and my new way, my new workflow. And, and especially in the years I... I developed a way to that is more like that is saving more time into editing because I make a mental list about yeah. all the things that I wanted to get into a picture. And yeah. in this way, I save a lot of time into editing. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this helps me a lot to, to know what, uh, what I want uh, to edit and uh, to don't over edit. Yeah. Absolutely. How did you, where did you learn your field craft and also your editing skills? Was it self-tuition or did you go through some kind of formal schooling? No, it was, it was the self-formations. Okay. Like maybe some tutorials about the TKE panel. Yep. Especially with the Sean Beck Show tutorials. Oh, um, yeah. Great. <laughs> remember that I was studying... Uh, <laughs> day and night with his tutorials and uh, yes and but it was mostly self-formations because I'm like this I like very much to do things by my own to be very independent so, yeah it's normal yeah. and um, also now that I'm studying a little bit uh, premiere okay self-formations yeah how do you define success with your photography what does success look like for Isabella for sure, I think success is to, in my opinion, is to be, yes, to be a point of reference for sure, but mostly to be an inspiration for myself. Yep. And I feel very fulfilled when I'm able to travel and in, in the locations that, that, in the countries that I wanted absolutely to visit and then come back with amazing pictures that I think are, are amazing that I that I'm satis really satisfied about it mm. and in my opinion yes when when I think uh, that I'm 
inspirational for myself than everything uh, reflected is reflected uh, outside yeah okay are you doing landscape photography or photography in general like, full-time now or is it just a, a part-time thing for you full-time yep okay when did you start full-time when did it become your career in 2017 before i studied pharmacy and and i decided to see if if i could make photography as a worker instead of of the work as a pharmacist okay and i was really open to <laughs> to become a full-time landscape photography i was very sure very determined very like stubborn about it mm-hmm. and uh, and at the end uh, i managed to to do it yeah do it. fantastic and how have you found that transition from working and where somebody's paying you to going into that sort of i guess more gig style economy where money's not always guaranteed on a regular basis how did you sort of transition from the the first to the second yes in the beginning it was not easy and because i had absolutely always to also to make things uh, that i didn't like so much very stressful things like this weekend workshops uh, that for yep. me were yep. too stressful but then uh, the more and more i became known i could i could manage to have a very good yes, a very good income also with campaigns with with coaching photoshop coaching yep. right now i feel very happy about it i feel yeah. very okay <laughs> how do you maintain your creative vision and the artistry or artistic integrity uh whilst also catering for the commercial and client demands that you get because sometimes mm-hmm. what you want to do is not what the client wants <laughs> yes till now for example for for the campaigns usually i was quite free into okay. the campaigns with the brands that i that i were which that that worked with me because i always proposed the locations and several choices and mm-hmm. then they chosen they chosen the the locations the the final locations and at the end i'm i feel quite i always felt quite free of course yes sometimes they have some some requests especially about the products that they want to to promote with my landscape photography of course often i have but it's okay i for me no problem i I find always the way to be anyway creative uh, to enjoy also moments. How did you, I guess you you mentioned becoming more known, how did you manage your personal brand through that process from being lesser known to being better known? Uh, Yeah, at the beginning, I always was on Facebook. (laughs) I remember I, I started with Facebook with the Facebook groups, with the communities. And then I remember that was 500 pixels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then during the years, I started to to use a lot of Instagram and uh, yeah, so social medias in the last years were uh, very important to, mm-hmm. especially to share my pictures with all, all over, with all the world and especially another 
important thing was to know a lot uh, English. Yeah. <laughs> speaking yeah. A lot. <laughs> Your English <laughs> is far better than my Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, there is a, a little bit of, uh, of, of my Italian accent still, but for me it's okay. The important is that also my customers with workshops that come mostly from the United States, from foreign countries, they understand. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's it's, uh, something characteristic <laughs> and uh, it's okay. <coughs> You've shot quite a, a lot of places around the world. Where is your favorite what's one place that you just keep having to go back to because you love it so much it's difficult because i visited so many uh, different countries uh, from each other mm-hmm. but for me uh, last uh, last year when i went when i visited atacama desert and uh, the lauca national park in northern chile yeah. chile was incredible for me uh, because i've seen uh, things that uh, that I very several so many colors, uh, so many colorful landscapes that I never seen in other places. Also a lot of contrast uh, um, and these soundless uh, landscapes with this with the vicuñas, the llamas, all these crazy places yeah. that I never seen. Also these blue lagunas, these blue lakes, mm. contrasting with the grass, with the yellow grass. Was crazy. I never seen a a place like like that. And yeah. uh, for sure, I would like to return. But also a lot of places I would like to return. In uh, also yes, I visited Far East Russia um, last year. I visited Iran. Uh, okay. What was I'm that going... like? Iran or Far East Russia? Uh, it, either or both, but Iran, yeah, I'm really interested. It's one place that's actually on my bucket list to to get in there and it's take very, a look around. It's very impressive. It's, um, especially I visited the Lut Desert and it was really impressive because we slept on the sand and took the took pictures from sunset to sunrise. Fantastic. <laughs> All over the night. It's very. It's great for night photography. Yeah, it's quite, quite dark skies, yeah. A crazy sky. Yeah. But I think the best sky I've, I've ever seen, I've seen in Atacama and Lauca National Park. Yeah, not a lot of cloud in Atacama. <laughs> and yes, there is um, in Atacama, you visit places that are very high altitude, mm. of course. Yep. <clears throat> they, it's much, it's much more, it's much clearer the sky. There is yeah, the sky is clearer. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Fantastic. Where do you, where you live, are there are places nearby that you're always going to, or are you more about getting out and traveling the wider world? I live in Bologna. In Bologna, yes, it's, Northern Italy, here, close to here, there are hills, but mm-hmm. I always prefer, if I go shooting, I always prefer to go directly in the Dolomites or in yeah. Tuscany. In the Dolomites, especially in Tuscany. I yeah, don't no, go so no much. surprises why. <laughs> A lot of people, but it's beautiful. Sometimes I also love to visit Tuscany and maybe in less crowded periods. 
And in the Dolomites, in the Dolomites, always love to go. And I visited Dol. I think I visited almost all the places. Maybe there are still some places that I didn't visit. I like to hike a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I prefer to go in the Dolomites directly. The Dolomites are like around uh, three hours and a half, four hours from okay. here. Yeah. Some uh, locations. Yes, talking about distances, maybe these distances are a lot. In no, Europe, not, not, but not, not for Australia. No. <laughs> like Australia is nothing. No, I, I've driven three hours for a cup of coffee. But I, I guess I'm also interested in places like the Dolomites and Tuscany that get a lot of traffic, a lot of tourist traffic. Have you noticed any adverse impacts on the environment because of the, the number of tourists that are coming to some of those places? Yes, exactly. For me, yes, a lot, especially in the most famous places. Mm. In uh, the Dolomites, luckily, uh, there are there are places that uh, um, that are not so much well known um, yep. because maybe there is a lot of biking to do. Maybe not for photographers, but mm. uh, anyway, in August, in July, in the end of July, especially in August, a lot uh, from there are a lot of Italian people because there are holidays, there are the summer holidays. Yeah, in, in summer, there are a lot of people hiking everywhere, yeah. but not some places not. But for example, there are several locations, especially the locations where you can uh, arrive by car. There, there are a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, of course, not all the people are respectful about no. the environment. And uh, yeah. It can be, and also, yeah, of course, uh, other other reasons uh, that we know about the climate change, uh, sure. but that that are not, yeah, that are <laughs> depending for sure on humans. Yeah. Last year, there were mountains that that usually have some perennial snow. Mm. They didn't have any more that snow on them, and it was crazy. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that it's not something we have here in Australia because the, the, the mountains we have are not very tall, so you don't get a lot of, you, a, you don't get a lot of snow a lot of the time, but usually during summer, most of the snow has disappeared and there's almost no perennial snow around. But one of the things I've noticed in my travels with talking to other photographers is the retreat of some of the glaciers in particular. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest impacts that is a real indicator of what's going on with climate change. Yeah, exactly. Last year there was a tragedy in on Marmolata Glacier because a huge piece fallen down and a yeah. lot of people died. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that. Let's move on to something a little bit Cheerio, what's your most memorable photography experience? For example, when when I spent the whole night in the Lut Desert in Iran, pictures from sunset to sunrise, and also night photography, night photography in, in Lauka National Park. I remember when I turned off the lights, everything became dark and I could see like the, the Milky Way that was so much visible in every detail. 
Yeah, it was and yeah, a lot of experiences, a lot of experiences, a lot of uh, incredible experiences. Mm. Especially when when you manage to go in places that that you just seen maybe on Google Maps or on on a picture around the web, or uh, and you imagine a lot about those places, and then when you see them with your eyes, it's totally different, and the yeah, yeah. Uh, sensation is amazing. Yeah, fantastic. What about horror stories? Have you seen or have you experienced any anything that you got were, were frightened of or lost any gear or anything like that? <laughs> no, I'm very paranoid about that. I always uh, take care of everything. Yep. And even when, when I go, for example, when I am on the highway and I, I always take with me... <laughs> To the gas station when I go to take some food, I always take with me the gear. <laughs> I'm very paranoid about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very much the same. Yeah. And also when when there is a lot of wind, I'm, even if the tripod is very stable, uh, I'm always uh, there uh, attached to the tripod because I'm afraid <laughs> it falls down. <laughs> it's crazy. What do you think you've learned about the world through photography? I learned, yes, about the world. I learned that the world would be a very beautiful place uh, if uh, there would not be border, politics, uh, religions. uh, Because if you travel all over the world and uh, capture a lot of beautiful landscapes and know a lot of uh, nice people, this was uh, the best thing I learned about, about my traveling. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of uh, friends that I can't see anymore because uh, that I met in countries that I can't visit anymore at the moment. And it's really crazy. Yeah. Are you the sort of photographer that brings gets back from a, uh, a shoot and you're straight onto the computer, straight into editing? Or the sort of photography that prefers to leave things on their hard disk for a bit and they wait until it's the right moment to edit? Depends. Uh, sometimes, uh, yes, when I get a picture that I'm, that I really love immediately since the first, at the first sight, I immediately, when I return home, I immediately go to the computer. Yeah. But yeah. some pictures maybe need more, more inspiration in maybe some days I'm not inspired a lot about some mm. weather forecast, as I was saying before, and maybe I need some more some more moments. For example, in, in today I was I opened a panorama of a place that I really love in Dolomites, the yeah. Violet Towers, and it's a location that that have that has big tower standing in front of all the mountains, mm-hmm. and I wanted to edit it. Since uh, last year, but then I never found the time because in the meantime, I visited so many locations, so many other places, and I gave the priority on these places. Yep, so yep. now I'm editing this one. I said, I want to edit it. I want to work on it. And, and they started to edit it. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I've, I've got quite a few panoramas in particular where, you know, you take all the frames you need and everything, they go on the hard disk. Then you get distracted and you do other things and you never come back to them. I've, I've, I've probably got about 10 or 15 that I really want to get to, but I've just never seemed to find the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's normal. It's normal. In uh, Lauca National Park in northern Chile, I visited 
I visited the Lake Chungara and uh, that volcano, the Parinacota volcano with the roots in the front of the volcano, it made me dream immediately. Yeah. So I immediately had to go in front of the computer and, and edit the, that picture. But some pictures, yeah. maybe I really like them, but then I forget also about them because we have an artist full of uh, raw files. And, and sometimes when I return home with so many pictures, I get confused uh, and uh, I have to tidy up my mind a little bit. Yeah, I think that's very true. You've got to sit down and actually get your mind in the right place to say, okay, these are the shots that I want to include in the panorama, for example, or this is what I want to do with this set of photos and just knuckle down and do it. But yeah, it's finding that time and that focus to actually sit and do it that, that I always struggle with. I'm always wanting to go out and take new and more interesting photos. <laughs> yeah, it's always like this. It's always, it's always that, yeah, you visit other locations and then you forget. It's always. Mm-hmm. Do you do much printing of your work? Yes, I do a lot of printing. I have a printer. Here Here, I don't have so much big printer because I don't know otherwise I, I don't know where to, to put the big prints. Right, so yeah. for the big prints, I go to a printer, but for the A3 Plus, A3 Plus prints, yep. I have my Epson Surecolor P700 mm. and I print fine art. I really like fine art printing. I really like an paper, Photorag, Photorag Barita for some yep. prints. Yeah. It depends on what's the effect I want to have on my pictures, but I really like to print by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's a very, it can be very technical, but it's a very rewarding experience, I think, to be able to actually control the colour and using the paper that suits the image as well to get the best out of what you're trying to do. And also because we use very good cameras with very huge sensor, That's very right. beautiful details. Of course, we have to print them because otherwise we keep them on the computer. That's it. Yeah, no one's ever gonna, no, no one's ever gonna ever see <laughs> all that detail on Instagram. <laughs> no, exactly. It's it opens a new world when you when you print your images. You can mm. see really the details of and and the quality of the camera of the, of the lenses. Yeah, of, uh, your work. Do you do any exhibitions? No, I don't do any exhibition, but it sells my I sell my print my prints online. Oh, okay. I have any commerce. What do you do when you hit a creative wall where things just aren't working? You don't want to go out and take photos or you don't want to edit. How do you push past that and get back into the the mode of thinking that you need to move past that that creative sort of stumbling block that everybody gets at some point? It never happened to me. Okay. Uh, of course, uh, sometimes I have usually because usually I I travel. When I travel, I just I just have a big. I I just want to go outside and see and discover when I travel. Then mm-hmm. usually I travel like I, I'm usually in summer, autumn is the is usually the time of the year, the period of the year where when I usually travel a lot. Then I usually take a break 
to edit pictures, to do my Photoshop coachings, to think about other things. And yeah. and yes, in that period, I, I don't I don't go outside, but never happened that, that I don't want to go outside, even uh, when usually I'm not so much a morning person. <laughs> so okay. when, when I have to do the sunrise, uh, to go out for a sunrise, sometimes at the beginning I'm tired, but then I remember that I have to go out for to take pictures, yeah. so I need to go out and I immediately wake up and and then everything was worth it. So yeah, yeah. Nice. definitely one of the things I struggle with that's uh, getting up at three a.m. to go and do a sunrise. Here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or not sleeping at all in yeah, the, in, yeah. the desert, in the desert in Lut Desert. I didn't sleep at all. Sometimes uh, between when I had to do uh, to take the long, the very long exposure, five minutes exposure for the foreground uh, for. Um, the yeah. night photography shots um and i had to do even focus thinking for for these uh, views of course uh, uh, i slept between an exposure and the other sometimes right. a little okay. bit <laughs> you you mentioned the use of your social media and so forth how do you feel your relationship what is your relationship with social media now is it something that you enjoy? Is it something that you just have to do and so you just do it? Where are you with, with, with your social media at the moment? Yeah, it's, I like the way, um, I, I like it for the reason that I like to share my stories, my experience behind the pictures, mm -hmm. and especially with Instagram stories and, and also to share which are the results on my feed. And I like that, uh, yes, uh, there are a lot of people uh, that are uh, waiting to see my works uh, yep. and uh, that support me since so many years. Uh, and uh, this I really like about it. Maybe, yes, of course, the, it's sometimes it's uh, difficult maybe to deal with all these uh, um, I have to post at a certain time uh, or uh, I have to post uh, like um, each day or uh, every two days. In the last uh, in the last period, I prefer to post uh, like maybe two times per week yep. and uh, just very quality works. Keep yeah. very high the quality. For me, it's very important because I've seen that no, it's very important this. And yeah. Is very important because otherwise I somehow lose the inspiration if I have absolutely to post each day. I prefer to keep the quality high, in my yeah. opinion. I, and, I think uh, that's very true. The quality can suffer if you're there plugging away absolutely every day. And I know I've I, I fall into the trap sometimes of doing that and putting out into the world stuff that probably shouldn't be out there. Some sometimes I put out stuff that is very different. I, I usually do sunrise seascapes. That's what a lot of people know me for. But then I might go into the uh, forest and take pictures of bark mm -hmm. and I'll post that. And there's very little engagement goes on then. It's just like, poof, nobody wants to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes uh, there are um, pictures uh, that are uh, a little bit difficult to push uh, as an engagement. Uh, and in these pictures, for example, are, uh, yeah, the minimal things, but not no, always. It not always. 
and sometimes those pictures I prefer to make a series, a series to make a storytelling behind it. But yeah, also, for example, in Northern Chile, I found a lot of minimal compositions, minimal scene, minimal scenes, minimal scenes. And of course, I did a series. Of course, that series had the less, less important engagement than, for example, the wide angle shots with the trees, with the frames of trees or from or with the roots, of course. But yeah, I think that sometimes to document a little bit my experience, it's okay to post them. Maybe right. with the storytelling, maybe in a different way, but yeah, it's normal. Mm. Absolutely. What do you see as the future of photography and what do you see as the biggest challenge in that future? Okay, in the future, um, I think in the future, it will be more and more important to tell uh, the experience behind the, and the work, the big work that there is behind the picture. Yep. This is also talking about in the in artificial intelligence, but also a lot of new editing technique that, that aim to make uh, to, take, for example, a foreground from a totally different location and put it in a, a location. And then in the next years, probably we it will be more difficult to know what is real and what is not. Okay. In my So it will be more and more important to tell the experience, to, to, learn, to do a lot of storytelling and to show a lot was behind the, the scenes. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, which is not a problem. I, I like it and it helps me to go out from my comfort zone of my pictures, of my computer. <laughs> nice. <Absolutely>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, in, in terms of those challenges, you mentioned AI, a lot of people obviously are talking about that. Uh, I, have the feeling personally that it's not going to impact very much certainly on on what i do because as you said it's about the experience it's not necessarily about the image that you come out with at the end that might be the reason why i went on the trip in the first place but for me that experience of going out into the world and taking photos that's never going to disappear i've i've had to play around with it but i just don't see it as being terribly interesting to be honest typing a few words into a computer and seeing the images that it spits out okay it can spit out images you know absolutely oh, no, absolutely never it will never replace anything to be honest uh, yes um, from a lot of months ago i tried to see what is how to do these these pictures but mm -hmm. then i got really bored because for me the beautiful thing the beautiful experience is to go out and when you when you can express your creativity and especially when you can go in a location and be surprised what you find on the location, what mm. uh, you are getting and the, cap the capability that you improve uh, in the years and to find some kind of new compositions in a, even in a place where you went there a lot of times be before. This is incredible. It will never replace these ex other things will never replace this kind of experience. Yeah. So yeah. that's why... I would really get bored. I just can express myself through this. I don't care if I take longer 
I don't care if I, I take longer to develop my images. I don't care because the end result will be always better, in my opinion, because it's mine. It comes from my soul, from my emotions, from my creativity, yep. uh, not from other people. Yeah, It's mine, something uh, mine. Absolutely, absolutely. I guess one, one of the drawbacks with that, though, is the advent of things like generative fill and the I'm singing the praises of AID noise because it gives life to images that would never have seen the light of day for me, usually because mm-hmm. technically I haven't quite handled the exposure quite as well. And they're usually much older images. But where do you see the place for those sorts of tools which enable people to enhance an image or change an image beyond what was actually in the frame when you when you took the photo in the first place? Uh, yes, for example, yes, for example, the the tools that have AI as yes to for example to improve some technique in post processing like the denoise are okay. But the important thing is always to experience to to do something yours that is yeah. yours. Yeah. Totally <laughs> What do you like to do when you're not out shooting or not doing photography? Oh, I I like to do a lot of sport. <laughs> I like to oh. hike. I like to, I started to to, to go uh, diving. Yeah. I'm taking all the diving licenses because in the awesome. future I would like to do underwater photography too. Also, Fantastic. I look forward to seeing some of your underwater photography. <laughs> I'm looking forward, and uh, now I uh, in uh, next weekend I'm going to I'm going to do some uh, I'm going to take the diving license the 18 meters uh, diving license the open yep. water, and then uh, I, I'm looking forward. I can't wait. And uh, yes, of course, uh, my instructors always told me that that I always that I have to become a good diver before uh, taking uh, pictures. Also, because I have to see what I like. Yeah, you have I, to survive I, to be able to bring the pictures no, no. back. So. <laughs> what, what I like underwater, and uh, yes, at the beginning maybe uh, you have to try with something uh, smaller, with some small camera or an action cam because of course I would like to start with the high quality with the housing and so yeah, on but lights, of course, yeah. <laughs> yes first yes first I need to, to improve my technique also in diving yeah. but I think it's an amazing adventure I'm really looking forward to to do it and yes and then editing photoshop coaching I spend my days like this yeah Mm, photography no. yes. photography wasn't a very big part of my days until until some some years ago but now i want also to do some more uh, things like diving like more sport uh, hiking yeah, a lot yeah. of hikes. a lot of people might my wife in particular might think that there's nothing in my life bigger than photography but yeah i think living life and getting out and experiencing things aside from when you've got a camera in your hand, is a, a wonderful experience too. Exactly, exactly. The, yes, photography for sure will always be the protagonist in my life, even in, in diving uh, in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't help looking at things and going, yeah, well, I can see a frame there. I can see how that would work. <laughs> Are there any photographers that uh, you think I should be talking to on the podcast? 
uh, there are a lot of photographers for oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> a lot of photographers. Uh, maybe Daniel Corden, for example. Okay, yep. Daniel I know Corden, him. Yep. And uh, yes, these are good names also. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, they are quite famous. Uh, Quite yeah, I've, I've, I, I do have them on my list. I haven't spoken to them yet, though. <laughs> yes, yes, no, they are very, yes. And uh, yes, but, but there are so many very inspiring photographers that I, I see every day in social I'll, media. So, I'll so, never run out of people to talk to. <laughs> it's very difficult to... Yeah. You know, to... I have my, one more question for you for... My listeners, it can be one of the most important, but also one of the most divisive issues for landscape photographers. I think I know what you're going to say when I ask you this question, but you might surprise me. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Like pineapple on pizza? Pineapple on pizza? No, no, I don't like so much <laughs> a pineapple on pizza. <laughs> I didn't think I, you I never tried. Actually, I never tried pineapple on pizza. You never tried it? Ah, okay. No, I've never tried it. For me, it's very strange. <laughs> Indeed, there are very few pizzerias that, that put pineapple on pizza here. In, uh, yeah, no, I think it's more an American or an Australian thing, yeah. I think sometimes they do it for tourists, but I've seen uh, also very few people taking... I love a lot of chili on pizza. <laughs> a lot of chili. I, I love to put chili everywhere. So, yeah. yeah. But the pineapple is because it's very strange for me uh, to put something sweet on the pizza together with the tomato and uh, mozzarella also. Okay. okay. My girls like a Nutella pizza. Yeah, Nutella pizza, when Nutella pizza, of course, without. Yeah, yes, without the meat and. <laughs> It's okay. I remember when I was a child, to do a joke, I when my parents were cooking the pizza in the oven, I opened the oven and I put the Nutella on the pizza and my mom got really angry and I ran away. My, my wife and I were in a, a small country town and we went into this place and we bought a pizza and it was supposed to have barbecue sauce instead of tomato as the base sauce. But I tell you, I am absolutely 100% certain that they use chocolate syrup instead of the barbecue sauce. It tasted so oh. sweet. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it's very strange. Sometimes we have some, but yeah, also for me to put chili everywhere, uh, the Carolina Riper powder everywhere uh, on meals, uh, maybe it's... Uh... <laughs> not really everywhere but it's really too much yeah. sometimes thank you very much uh for taking the time to talk to me isabella it's been wonderful getting to know you and getting to know how you do what you do where can people find your work thank you uh, yes uh, thank you thank you yes yes where can people find your work Wh website oh. etc yep okay let's uh, say again the, the question yeah, sure. because, uh, I'll, I'll start with thanks very much, okay? <laughs> okay, okay? All right. Thanks so much for talking to me, Isabella. It's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and knowing how you do what you do. Where can people find your work? On my website, for sure, isabellatabaki.com. Uh, on my, yes, on my print shop, isabellanscapes.com. On Instagram, 
uh, that um, Instagram is the is my most known uh, social media that I have. Isabel Landscapes in on Twitter, Bell Landscapes on Facebook, Isabel Landscapes, and yes, I think I told the most important place. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes. Thank you, thank you once again, Isabella. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you, thank you too, thank you too for inviting me in this podcast. Uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm-hmm.